Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. As you all know, Show and Tell is a show where we like to bring on cool guests to talk about something cool that they are working on. And today's cool guest is Tomas Herensam of Free League Publishing. And we're going to be talking about Dragonbane or Tomas, what's the other name for this game? It is Drakar och Demoner in Swedish. Yep. What does that even mean? Does that mean Dragonbane? Uh, not exactly. It basically actually means dragons and demons. And uh, this is a really, you know, old game. This came out in 1982. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's quite clear where the inspiration of the name came from. <laughs> but it is not a translation of Dungeons and Dragons, actually, even though, you know, the name is you know clearly inspired by that. So you didn't call it d and I'm sure you guys have joked about that. A bunch. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and there's a lot of confusion here. Uh, uh, I mean, in, in you know, people who don't, I mean, people who are really in the space, they of course know the difference, but people who just know vaguely, they mix them up all the time. So nice. I want to talk. I definitely want to talk about that. But before we get too deep into this, the the nuances of this game. All right. So who's who's Thomas? Thomas, uh, who are you in relation to RPGs? What do you do? Right. Yeah, I'm one of the founders of Freely Publishing. We've been around for about a, 10 years now, a bit more. Um, my, I mean, I started playing RPGs way back uh, around that time in the 80s. So I've been around for a long time. Uh, I haven't, you know, but it's only in the last five to 10 years that this has been a full-time thing, really, the last five years or something like that. Before I've done other things. Before that, I was in journalism. I did all kinds of other stuff. But the the gaming has always been there. I mean, for a long time, it was only for a, you know for fun as a hobby. But then it kind of grew uh, after Freely got started and and started uh, you know uh, doing more games and expanding. And it uh, well, it took over my life. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I'm glad it took over your life. I think um, we're pretty open on a podcast that we definitely play a lot of Freely games. I do. I my regular campaign is Forbidden Lands. So cool. thank you for making that for me. All right. <laughs> Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so, I, all right. So, going all the way back then. All right. You said you started playing in the 80s. All right. What yeah. were you playing back then? Were you playing Dragon Bane? Were you playing? Yeah. What were you playing? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that was definitely, I mean, it was a bit of a special situation here. I mean, obviously, I mean, D&D was the first RPG, but it, it never really caught on over here in, in Sweden. Instead, there was another company, a local company here started by a guy who was an intern. Uh, he was like early 20s or something. He was an intern at Chaosium at that time. Uh, and he came back from the US and said, this RPG thing that I have to, you know, have to do this. So he and a couple of other people started a company called Eventurspel or Adventure Games, uh, early, early 80s. And, and, uh, and they published the first RPGs in Sweden. And, and back then it was unknown, it was not a thing. And the first one that they published was Drakar of the Mourner, uh, which was actually a translation of uh, the first edition was a translation of Magic World, which is a game published by Chaosium. It was based on kind of the RuneQuest uh, game, but it was boiled down to a more smaller, easier, quicker game. Uh, I, I don't know how long that lasted in, in, in the US and, and the rest of the world, but, but in, in Sweden, that became first edition of Drakkar the Mourner and that became the game that everybody played it was in every it was it was in most homes there was a copy of Drakkar the Mourner you could always find it somewhere it was in all the toy stores it was everywhere and it was a really big thing 
and you know, starting, especially not the first edition so much, but the second edition. And then that's where it kind of became its own thing in 1984. Uh, that was the second game I played. I actually played another game called Mutant which, by the same publisher. Like That uh, was my very first game. And that is also the basis of Mutant Year Zero, which is another uh, game that we... Okay that we publish now that is actually an edition of of that uh, that game so yeah dr moner was the the second game i ever played and i played it a lot uh, back then so what's it like going back to like your roots then with this <laughs> game yeah it, it's weird and fun and it's i mean for free league we have been ever since we really got started uh, very early on even before we started doing games in 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 english for the international you know uh, community of, Dr. Morna was definitely one of those games that could we do a new edition of this game? We really wanted to do that because that was back then and still, I guess, it kind of, you know, a dream definitely to, to do that and make our own take on this iconic game that everybody here knows about. A bit scary too, but that but but fun. And we, we started trying to do that, but back then it was the, this... Uh, this brand was owned by another company who did publish some stuff and, and, and nothing really happened. And we started doing Mutant instead and then all kinds of other games. And then, you know, Tales on the Loop happened and Alien and Blade Runner. And then we did a lot of other things. But then about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, this company who owned the brand before us reached out again. Uh, we had another talk. And this time we were able to agree on, on, on you know, uh, acquiring this license and finally actually doing this thing. Uh, but it was not really planned ahead by us until that point when we actually, oh, we can actually do this now. Okay. And then we were like, should we do it? Is it, is this, this is like a very local, it's a Swedish famous in Scandinavia, but nowhere else. Is this really a thing? Should we do this only in Swedish then? Or so there was a lot of questions whether this actually made sense anymore, but then we just said, you know, never mind if it makes sense. We just want to do this. It's kind of a dream, you know, it's, it's so it, let's just do it and see what happens. We originally planned to do it only in Swedish, but then somewhere along the way when we worked a lot on it, put our souls and hearts into it and really worked on it and felt this is going to be a good game. Why not see if, if people outside of Sweden might be interested also? So why not just try and see and make an, in, you know, an English version also and see how that goes? And, and well, that's pretty much where we are now. So okay, I'm jumping around a lot because I haven't even asked you for the elevator pitch for this game, but I have a question based on that. Obviously, yeah. th at this point, the Kickstarter is, it's another wildly successful Kickstarter for you all. But what's the risk? What do you feel like from a marketing and game company, the response has been from the English speaking players? Yeah, that's interesting because here it's very split, obviously, since there's one part, one type of reactions and feedback from like the Swedish Scandinavian community who know this game very well. And then there is a completely different one from the international uh, community who, who don't are not familiar with this game at all. And I think it's been great to see. I mean, there's been some, you know, uh, from the international side, the English speaking world, like, you know, okay, so what's this thing? I never heard of it before, you know, a bit of, a, you know, question mark, uh, but, but it's, but, but very curious. I mean, there's been a lot of interest and, and it seems that we didn't really know beforehand, but it seems that 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 quite a few people are are intrigued by this weird old Swedish game and what that is and and the background of it and where it comes from and and what role it has for free league and and so that is that's one part kind of the legacy part of it and just you know an interest in that which is a lot of fun, but also in the game itself because we feel that even though this is a 
you could call it a generic fantasy game, I guess, but it does have some unique twists to it that we feel makes it really worthwhile and 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 has a you know fills a good niche in in our games catalog as well. So and and uh, yeah, it seems to 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 catch on and people seem to like what they see and that's 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 great. So then, all right, so we've kind of talked about it being an older Scandinavian game that's been translated, but now just talking about somebody who's never heard of this game, yeah. what's the elevator pitch for Dragonbane? The elevator pitch is this is a game that is made for laughs at the table. It's fantasy as you know it, but with a humorous, crazy, you know, fun twist. So it's, it's one of those games that if you're not really sure, if you don't want to start like a huge campaign and something, and it's something you can pick up and play easily. You can introduce new players, great for conventions, great for online play. And it's, it has a lighter touch. It's not a humor. It's not a comedy game, but it does have elements of craziness in it. It has these anthropomorphic animals. It has the talking ducks and, and the wolves and stuff. So it's not like the grim, dark feel. Uh, so if you want a fun, fast fantasy game that is lighter perhaps and easier than D&D to get into uh, the, uh, with great storytelling. I think uh, this might be a game to try out. Uh, so then, yeah, okay, you mentioned the ducks. All right, this has been, yeah. I've been talking to one of my other players who's in my regular yeah. campaign. I was like, oh, this looks cool. We should try this out. And he's like, I don't know. I just can't get behind the ducks. I and know. I was, I was like, yeah. they, they look I was shocked that you all were take, <laughs> able to take a duck and make yeah. it cool. I was showing him yeah. this art. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 you don't understand. This yeah. is cool. Yeah. So what's up yeah. with the this ducks? Is, uh, this exact reaction has been, you know, this has been an ongoing debate here for 40 years because <laughs> the ducks have always been part of Dr. Demonder. It was that there were ducks in the very first edition and second edition. And it's always been very divisive. Some people hate those ducks and you know and others think they're fun and cool and and you know nice to have around but it's been that specific reaction has definitely been been uh, around for for a very long time here as well and i can understand why because it's of course that kind of takes you if you want a, a, a more like culture gaming uh serious game it might be a bit hard to to put a talking duck into it that might break that you know <laughs> But that's kind of the point, and and I think for the, I mean, if it is the game where you can just do that and have fun with it, uh, if you want like a, you know a more uh, grim uh, fantasy game, there are other games that are probably a better fit, like The One Ring or Simba Room or or even Forbidden Lands, which is a bit you know if you want something a bit more serious, then then there are probably other games. Uh, this is not the most serious fantasy game, to be honest, but it is a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it fills a it fills a like a gap that I don't know. I, a gap I think you all may have had, and you're you guys have a lot of serious games. So yes, yes. So okay. So then, what's the tell us about the world that yeah. this this game is set in? Yep, it's uh, what we've done is that we have avoided throughout the years there have been different you know uh, game worlds for this game here, uh, large and small, and there was you know there's been lots of that. But we wanted to kind of go back to the early editions where the world as a whole, the whole whole world is not clearly defined. It's more of a you get a more of a micro setting. So what's included in the core set is basically a large valley, and it has like you know points of interest, and 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 but it doesn't describe the entire world. You don't get continents. You have like it's much more local. 
So that's one part. And the other part of the setting is more of a mythology. So it's a basic overarching mythology, uh, which goes back to the, the, the original name, Dragons and Demons, uh, which the Swedish, uh, it, that, what the title translates as. So basically there's a, an internal struggle, an ancient struggle with the forces that are represented by, by dragons on the one side who stand for like law and order and not always in the best, you know, they're not the good guys. They're just, you know, they, it's more law against chaos more than anything, whereas the demons are on the chaotic side. And that that struggle kind of informs and influences uh, lots of what's going on. So there is throughout history of this world that have been dragon empires and a demonic, you know, reign and, and they throughout you know the centuries and you can still find the remnants of that uh, as you you know go hunt for adventure and, and treasure in this world so that's kind of the, the backdrop uh, of the whole thing okay so then i want to ask you about the feeling you want to evoke so like if i'm playing forbidden lands i i'm playing i want a real grounded feeling if i'm playing alien i'm trying to obviously scare my players into the yeah. odd i'm being very introspective and ethereal but like for this game what is the yeah. feeling you want to evoke at the table yeah i mean here the feeling is really i mean adventure uh, excitement suspense yes but also fun and and laughs really i mean it shouldn't doesn't need to go completely overboard and be a comedy, but still there is definitely room for for laughs at the table uh, alongside, you know, the suspense of it all. So it can be brutal, but also in fun. And that is kind of what we try to bring out also in terms of the rules, whereas you, it's, it's a deadly, deadly game. You can get, you know, squashed quite easily, but <laughs> usually you can kind of come back from that and continue the adventure, at least, you know, hopefully, unless you die. But still there is kind of that, and that that kind of carries through uh, the game design as well to have that 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 it's fast, it's easy, and it's it brutal, but but forgiving in a sense that it also allows you to come back even if you you get horribly you know destroyed in in a fight or something. So I think there it's there's compared to for example Forbidden Lands, which I guess maybe is the closest one at least for me since I did most of the game design on on both of them. Uh, that is a grimmer game uh, with that, you know, the critical hits, and it, it, it is more uh, brutal, a bit more, you're more grounded. This is a bit has a bit of a lighter tone, but I think they're actually kind of equally deadly, to be honest. So it's uh, they both share that. Okay, so still talking about the evoking a certain feeling. The art in this game is uh, I've the, where I've talked about this game with people. They've like, oh, this is really cool art. It feels old school but also modern. So talk yeah. about your your all's decision to go with this particular art style. And who's the artist yeah. for the most part on this? Yeah, his name is John Egerkrantz, and he's uh, he's is a you know very established uh, uh, artist here. Uh, uh, and has been so for quite some time. He was very much, I mean, he's a big, big uh, RPG player back in back in the eighties. Just as he's about, you know, my generation, uh, and uh, he, he's done a lot of this kind of work. And now he he also did art books, uh, the Vaisen uh, art book. He did the the original art book uh, about like Nordic folklore that we turned into an RPG. So he's also the artist for our. Vazen game that we released a couple of years ago. So we worked with him for that. Uh, and he's done, uh, he's actually did work on the previous edition of the that was only in Swedish by another publisher. And we just felt that his style for what we wanted to do with this game is just perfect because it has that 
uh, it's a touch of cartooniness, but not full out that. It still has, uh, it, no, it, it kind of manages to combine that light, lighter touch, that humor with, with just awesome, awesome uh, art. So I think that we just felt that that's just the perfect look for, for this game. Uh, so yeah, so we were, you know, we, we signed him on again to do more of this art for this uh, for this game this style and uh, he's done pretty much all the art for the game and they just uh, yeah they, we felt that was the the right way to go i mean he was able to make a duck look cool so exactly yes there you go that okay. is something yeah exactly so okay so people want to know about the fiddly bits about games so what's yeah. the core mechanic of this game right. how do we resolve stuff yep uh, for this one, I mean, we did not use, uh, I mean, the, we have the Gear Zero engine, we call it, for, for most of our other games, uh, and that developed out of Mutant Gear Zero, uh, hence the name, and it varies a bit from game to game, but, but the core is the same, it's more of a dice pool system, and it's something we've been working on for a number of years. For this one, we decided to not just do that, a version of that, and that primarily is because this this game has a different tradition uh, in the, you know, in, in over here, and it's traditionally been uh, closer to what you would find in, in since its origins come from from Chaosium and, and RuneQuest and, and and Call of Cthulhu. It's the same kind of DNA. That's so. It, it, we also wanted to keep something that it's not that it's not identical to to that, but it's it's more similar. So basically, it's a D20 based system where you roll uh, under your skill level. So it's a skill based system. You have a number of skills and you want to roll uh, equal or lower uh, with a D20 uh, than your skill level. That's kind of the core course, the basics of, of how to resolve things. So that's, that's easy enough. Uh, but then we added some things that are also come a bit from, from the Yosira engine side that we added, for example, pushing rolls. So that's kind of in there. Uh, so we made, I mean, we kept that kind of basis, that core from from the early editions, but then we modified it, added some things of our own, and made it, you know, uh, to something new. But the basic, the core of it, goes back to that kind of tradition of, of of the system that has been around here for four years. So were the older editions of this game then were those also then D twenty roll under? Uh, they have actually varied a bit. Uh, the first uh, first edition was D hundred roll under, oh, and then they changed okay. it to D. Then it became two D twenty roll under, but that's basically the same system. You only divide stuff by five and roll a D twenty instead. So that and that went back and forth for a while, and it's been you know, but it's always been kind of that uh, roll under system, uh, and so that's why we wanted to keep that. But we felt the D twenty. I don't know. It uh, it felt more to my mind. It's just one of those touch, you know, game feel things that a D hundred for me works better for like a modern setting or sci fi or something. Whereas D twenty feels more fantasy. I don't know. It could have been D hundred as well. It would have probably wouldn't have made a huge difference actually. But yeah. So I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad you all went with D twenty. All right, because all right. So obviously, there's been a lot of conversations about a lot of people over here who. Play five at five E have started yeah. playing Swedish and other European games. All right, that's yeah. starting to kind of break through. All right, and it's not just us, like people who are really immersed in it, who are just playing these games anymore. So, yeah. with this being a D twenty skill based system, it seems like this is almost trying to play in the same space as D and D. 
Okay. Is this just the nature of converting an older system or was this intentional on your all's part? Uh, it's a bit of both. I mean, I played a bit of, of 5e and I think it does some things really well. Uh, I have fun playing it, yeah, even, even though it's not, it's a bit of a different philosophy than, than our games, but there's definitely good stuff there. And yeah, I do think we did have, I mean, some idea that this, this could perhaps interest uh, some 5e players just uh, out of, you know, since it might feel a bit more familiar with it to roll the d20 and it might you know the the so yeah it you're right it does operate in a, in a bit of a similar space i mean there but there's of course a risk to that that it just feels like oh i know this already i already have 5e i don't need this other one but we feel this game is doing things a bit differently so i think if you're a 5e player it's a fairly easy thing to try out this game and see if you you know like this uh, as well and just to see it's uh, familiar but slightly different and that might uh, be of interest to some people we we hope but yeah it was not the main it was not the main goal of this game but it i think yeah we had those discussions as well that this might be of interest to some from some people in the 5e crowd yeah yeah i mean obviously the those those skills, it's like the, those six skills that we all know. Um, those have been around for for years, and now they obviously have been. That's what a lot of people know with Five E. And so, as I was kind of reading the the quick start here, I was kind of thinking to myself, "There's some similarities here, but I think it's just enough where I could get people to play this game, and they yeah. would feel really confident playing the game because yeah. they've played something." similar to this yeah but on the other hand as i'm reading this as somebody who's familiar with a lot of your all's previous backlog i'm seeing a lot of different things that i'm also familiar with uh yeah the magic system feels a little bit similar like he's taken some inspiration from forbidden lands um yes. and there's some of the uh the encumbrance stuff but what other you mentioned the pushing and pulling but what mm. other elements from free league games are free league fans going to recognize in this game? Mm, yeah, um, good questions. I think, uh, yeah, the push mechanic is definitely something uh, there. I think another thing, it's not really rules, but it's still, it's just the way uh, we approach scenarios and adventures that we try to make them very, you know, we really try to think through how to, to make them accessible, playable, avoid railroading, you know, leaving player agency. I mean, I, I think a lot of the kind of scenario design is, is, uh, is should feel familiar uh, as well. Um, and also I think stuff like just, you know, hopefully, I mean, like we mentioned the art, even, you know, this is similar art style, the same artist as in Vezen, So of course you will recognize that. And just, you know, the overall uh, graphic design and things like that, I think, Hopefully, if you enjoy that in our other games, you won't. You will feel this is uh, doing a fairly good job on that front as well. So that's probably something you'll recognize. Another thing. All right. So this is you all have started to do. I've, all of your games now are box sets. Okay. Hmm. All right. I want to ask. So yeah. why box sets? Is this just like a business ethos at Free League at this point? Oh, I don't know. It's just, I kind of always liked box sets. It's always been, it's mostly that what, before it was hard to do them because they tend to be tricky to produce and expensive and hard to, you know, and, but lately we've been able, you know, to have large enough print runs so that they're actually doable. And 
No, it's not like for every game, but I think something we've started doing almost as a, as a thing now is for the bigger games that have more content, more pages like, you know, Alien, Blade Runner, stuff like that. We do like a starter set and the core book. And, and usually also the One Ring is the same thing. And we feel that's a good model because then you can have the core book with a lot of information, a lot of pages. You get that whole thing, that awesome hardback, beautiful book. But then you can have an easier entry point uh, into uh, using a starter set. You can also use the starter set to provide stuff like maps and dice and 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 uh, handouts. And you can have, kind of put all of that stuff into a starter set. So that means because I think previously we have often had like a map set and a dice set and everything like small fiddly bits. But we just felt it's why not just put everything into a box? So you have like the core book and then the starter set, and they kind of go together. So that's that that has been a. I won't say we're doing it for every game forever, but it's been done now for a couple of games lately. Like uh, like I mentioned, Blade Runner's doing it, The One Ring, Alien also. Uh, I think for Dragon Bane, the idea is this: we want this to be an easy entry point uh, you, this for us can be a game that when someone comes up at a convention or anywhere else and says oh you have so many games here i'm not really familiar with this stuff where should i start and then you just hand them this game you start here and then that makes a lot of sense to have a box set that has everything you need you have like the pre-generated characters you have the dice you have everything just put in a box all done go play so that's kind of why we're doing a box set for for this one so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we do publish some other games that are not uh, boxed also, like uh, more on the indie side of things, like uh, Morkborg and, and to, Into the Odd and, and some of these games that are uh, designed externally and that we're the publisher for. So they are still unboxed. But, uh, yeah, we like boxes. I, I say I like boxes, too. And the, the thing that I love most about your all's boxes is not what's in them. All right. I don't – tell me, is this intentional and whoever – decided this deserves a huge raise is that the spine of all of your boxes that i know of other than like forbidden lands is black with just plain font on it and your free league logo and they're all the same size same height and they look great on a shelf next nice. to each other. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that there is some thought into that i guess uh, so that's good yeah yeah okay well all right maybe it's not as intentional as i thought and you guys just know what you're doing <laughs> so oh. all right yeah. so so then all right so dragon bane what was your favorite thing that you got to design for this game Oh, uh, good question. It's, it's, um, I mean, it's role playing games should not all be about like combat, but it kind of, you know, talking about rules and mechanics, you often end up there. And it's been a lot of fun to, I mean, we basically, we designed this game by playing it. I mean, obviously, I wrote like a first draft, but then we played it, played it, played it. We've been playing it for the last, yeah, six months, a bit more. Well, this whole year quite intensely i mean internally we have an internal test group some people from inside the free, free league and some outside but we play this stuff and really we had this process where we play a short adventure and then you know evaluate it have a great feedback discussion and and that has been a super fun and rewarding uh, process to have and we've been changing things along the way and just you know trying to play our way to what really works when you play the game and yeah, things like just how combat works, a lot of ins and outs on that. It's fairly simple. The combat system is not super complex, but just kind of tweaking those things to get it 
get it right, get the right feel, the right deadliness, and, and get that to work has been uh, a lot of fun to, to work on. So then is this game a, obviously we have skills and stuff, but is this game a, are there classes or is it classless? That's the other thing people I feel like really want to know about their fantasy games. Yeah, there are classes uh, in this game. They're called professions, but they're basically classes and they are for to some extent what you would expect. You have the fighter, you have a, a wizard, you have, you know, hunter, you have a thief, you have that stuff, but there's also some, some others you have, more of an academic, a scholar class. There is a, a tomb raider or treasure hunter class, and there is a, a craftsperson class. So there's a bit, a few different ones, but but yeah, it it is class based in that sense. And and the class, each class has a unique uh, class or profession ability. Uh, you can that kind of is, gives them a bit of a special edge in one area. But that's the only part from that. Once your character is done. Uh, this game is not the progression uh, once a character is done is more free than, for example, in 5e. There's basically once that you start playing the game, you can develop your character in any direction you want. I think the only exception so far is this specific class ability, which is just one, one ability that will be unique for the class. The, apart from that, you can get other heroic abilities and, and in, increase your skill levels and stuff completely freely as as you want so there is a bit more freedom there than you might be used to if you come from a 5e where each class has a very very specific uh, you know way of developing throughout you know while leveling okay so then all right so that's all the rules stuff and all that kind of bit so let's talk about the the kickstarter then yeah so what's your all's what's your all's goal with as far as doing this doing the kickstarter um do you want to see is this another game that you want to see like continual support for uh so i'm talking like long-term goals here but then also in the immediate what can people expect to get from the kickstarter yeah right yeah i mean doing a kickstarter for both the swedish and english version together well, was something we felt that we if we were doing an English version, we, when we decided to do that, we felt that we should do them together at the same time and develop the game in in you know at, in parallel, release it at the same time, and just do it you know support both editions equally. And that is the plan also going forward. That will definitely uh, for adventure material and everything. I mean, as long as there is an interest for it, uh, also outside of Scandinavia, then yes, we'll definitely continue to support and, and publish stuff of this game as well. But it. I'll be completely honest, and, and and we didn't really know what to expect on the uh, you know, for this Kickstarter from the international side of things because it was obviously it's a, it's easier for someone to understand. Oh, it's a Blade Runner RPG, or oh, it's you know the One Ring, you know that 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 much more immediately understandable. Whereas this one is like, oh, this is some odd Swedish game I never heard about. So it's but since interest seems to be good i mean looking at the kickstarter now i think it's about one third of backers are swedish and two thirds are not so that that tells us there's a, a significant amount of interest out there so that means we'll you know work on this and, and continue to do so and um yeah i mean from the kickstarter as a backer you get uh, i mean now with some stretch stretch goals unlocked there's it's 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 becoming it's filling up the box set with it's going to be not just an introductory adventure but quite a few of them to tie them all together into a short campaign and uh yeah so basically just 
by backing the Kickstarter and getting that, you'll have, it's not just a core game and then you have to wait for expansions, but really you have stuff to do right out of, of the box. So that's kind of the idea to have that full, even if short, but a, a complete campaign right in, you know, in as part of the Kickstarter and as part of the starter uh, box set. Also, I will say this, you, you, there's going to be some dice in the box yeah. set. Yeah. All right. The one thing that I'm I'm kind of glad that this is not using. We, also, this is another debate we've had in my game group because one of my mm-hmm. players was like, "I wish this was just using zero, year zero. I was like, yeah. "This is different." All right, this is different. I'm like, yeah. "Look, now you all get to use all these really expensive dice that you all <laughs> buy. You can yeah. use your actual dice for yes. this game." Yes. So, yeah. I, it's funny. No, also, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean this one, and that goes back to the kind of tradition of, of where this game has what it has been before, and and the mechanics that have been used before that that we wanted to stay fairly close to that, and that also means it basically uses that that traditional that that range of, of polyhedral dice. So so yeah, we're doing that here as well. We did have an idea of maybe doing custom versions of that, but it's hard because the only dice for which that would make sense are the d20s and each little side of a d20 fairly small so it's hard to do a lot of uh you know uh, custom symbols on, on those on those sides we haven't given up on that idea just yet but we're yeah. we're looking in, into it but it's it's different in that sense that in in the year zero games you want to roll usually a six no matter which system it is even the ones that have dice with more than six sides you want to roll a six or higher basically to to succeed to so that, then it makes sense to have that custom, that special symbol on the sixes or, or, or higher, because that's what you will be looking for when rolling dice. Whereas in this one, it's more of a, you know, it doesn't work that way. You're more looking at the number. So that, you know, having custom symbols and stuff makes less sense from a game design perspective. But is literally, I'm not joking. This is how I've been pitching this game to my friends who just play 5e because they do. Yeah. I don't know what it is. They People who yeah. play 5e, look, this is not, not a knock against everybody. You all buy way too many dice. All right. Just, I don't <laughs> understand it. Special <laughs> resin stuff, gems. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And now you all can yeah. use those dice Absolutely. to play this game. Okay. I think that's a great pitch. Yeah. Use those dice. Finally, yeah. Yes, exactly. finally. All right. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's also funny you talk about the the spread of backers because you could see all this stuff on Kickstarter. Anyone could see this. And then obviously can see it. Yeah. United States, all right, we are leading the way. All right. But yes. that says nothing yes. because Sweden is only like two hundred backers behind us. And yeah. Sweden is they're not as big as the United States. There are not as many people. So No, the, nowhere nowhere near. The percent capita of people in Sweden who will own Dragon Bane is much higher. <laughs> it is higher. Yes, indeed. It is. It is. But that is to be expected, I guess. I yeah, mean, okay. Uh, yeah. You love, you know, they, they love Sweden yeah. games. That makes sense. Okay. So as we wrap up, um, as we wrap up this, is there one last bit of information you feel like people need to know about Dragon Bane? Um, well, one thing they should know is that, you know, this is not even if we've got some concerns, I guess that, oh, it's this, what you will be doing now, will all your games use it, you know, be, you know, D20 now and, and you, you know, and that is, I mean, this is one game, we're still continuing with all of the other games as well. I mean, that that is, I think that is important to know. And we, even though we're super happy with the year zero engine and, and, and continuing to use that, it, that doesn't mean 
we want to try different things for different games. So, I mean, that's, that's how we have always worked and will continue to work is to try new things, different things. And, and that doesn't mean we have, you know, abandoned any other game line or anything like that. So I think that's good to know. And beyond that, just, you know, download the quick start. It's completely free and, and try it out and see what you think. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's got a adventure in there. It's got yeah. players. I plan on running this at a catacon, which is our, we do a convention over here. Um, yeah. We're actually going to be having freely. We're going to be doing some freely organized play. So I'll be throwing this in there. So nice. hopefully, you know, we get some people to play it. So should yeah. be, should be a lot of fun. So Tomas, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the game. Thank you. Uh, no problem. So folks, uh, as always, this is Tom, and as we like to close out every show, do not forget, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show, and if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.